head football coach Brent Venables there uh, discussing some of the goings-on recently in recruiting. Um, you got to continue to recruit those guys. <laughs> it's funny. You recruit them until signing day, and then you recruit them once they show up to stay on campus. You know, I mean, it's the – you know, it, it's a it's a constant thing um, with these guys now with the transfer portal and the the movement that comes with that. So, yeah, but, I mean, he's right. You don't just say we got these commitments and our job here is done and abandon that. Those are – you got to continue to build those relationships, work on those relationships because – I guarantee you there's there's other schools out there that are still picking up the phone yeah. to uh, see if there's just a little bit of a crack in the facade there. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, that's – I love that. What Britt Vittable said, though, is, you know, I mean, other schools had more commitments at the time, but basically said we weren't freaking out. We knew at some point we would get the right guys with the right mentality mm-hmm. that knew what commitment was. And he was right. The month of July may have been the most fruitful month in OU football recruiting in a very, very long time. He also joined us at the top of the 3 o'clock hour. I think we got three total questions in, and one of the questions was, you know, what's some of the more intriguing position battles on the team, which he just went down the line and mentioned every single player on the roster, which I don't hate. I think it's great. But the same question you asked to him, I'll ask to you. Where is the most crucial critical you get what I'm asking here what's the most critical position battle that's going to take place starting in camp this week tackle Uh, offensive tackle that's where it's at yeah hey can I ask you something before we dive into that a little bit deeper sure you knew we were going to get three questions in Uh uh-huh why'd you ask the buy-in question I I parlayed the buy-in question with actually I got a two-in-one question in it was I don't think he's been asked that yet, at least not in a public setting, but also how much more they've been able to accomplish with that as well. You didn't yeah. like that, apparently. Well, I I thought you were going to ask. When you asked that question, I was I threw up my hands and said, why didn't you just ask him why he chose Oklahoma uh, as his first I haven't heard coach. anybody ask that yet. That is not fair <laughs> to equate that question to, uh, why did you choose Oklahoma? Oh, that's funny. No, I think tackle is – it wasn't a bad question. I'm just joking. Um, I, I think tackle's the, the most critical. I think tackle was a – it was a weakness for us last year. But I don't want to – I don't just want to pick only on uh, – tackle at offensive line everyone kind of had their games and moments last year across the the five different positions but I think it's apparent that we need a massive improvement there uh, from Harrison from what we had a year ago and I expect that you know but I did think it was interesting that Venables hit on the same the, the the same uh, topic, the same point from a year ago is consistency. He's got to be consistent. He can't just, you know, every now and then he'll have a set where 
you know, he totally locks a guy down, looks athletic as uh, can be, looks strong and physical as can be, and then have a have a snap where ah, there's a middle mistake, then the next step, snap there's a technique issue, and then he'll have another good snap. Like, that's been his Achilles heel so far, and he's got to get way more consistent. And that will come. I think it will come. I, I still feel confident that that he's going to get there. And then, you know, he, he said that Wanye Morris needs to, you know, needs to squeeze every every ounce out of out of his capability that he can because there's a lot of ability that's there. Um, and he said he's had a really good summer and he's he's getting way better at that. But you know, as as we mentioned way back at Big Twelve Media Days, whenever he brought it up, the conversation from Venables, from those familiar with the goings on of the offensive line at the program have continued to throw Tyler Guyton's name out there. I, he did it again today, man. He keeps doing it. Which is good. You know, I some of that may be that Tyler Guyton is poised to step in and fight for a starting job. The other part may be that Brent Venables is using that as a bit of motivation for those guys that are at those number one spots right now Could to be. better lock in and focus. Someone's coming for you. Yeah. No, I, I, we've long thought it was the offensive line, what's going to be the more critical position battle on the field. Um, I guess interior D-line would be number two for me. Not so much a question of who's going to see the majority of the snaps. It's more about they've got to progress quite a bit throughout those practices in August. But, yeah, look, man, it's – if they're good on the O-line, the running game will be good. Dylan Gabriel will be good. The wide receivers will be good. And if the interior of the D-line's good, well, the edge guys are going to be good. The backers are going to be – it's just going to set – it's going to set the table for the rest of the team if tackle and interior D-line exceed or meet our expectations this year. I, you know, I mean, I, I, it sounds really simple, but I think it's definitely true for this team. Here's what I think is interesting. You know – I asked him about position battles, and he said, honestly, I see them everywhere. And that that's kind of the case. And I, Every year you're going to hear a lot of that going into training camp, right? But I don't know who the starting corners are going to be. I don't know who the starting nickel's going to be. I'm, I'm not – 100% sure. I've got a better feeling, but I'm not totally 100% sure who the starting safeties are going to be. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. I definitely don't know who the starting Mike Backer is going to be. I think, and I would say I definitely don't know who the starting Will Backer is right. going to be. Right, yeah, and I think that you know most people might say, oh my gosh, well that's a major, that's a giant concern. I don't think it has to be here, man. I really don't. They'll find... They're starting 22. I think it's okay to have legitimate position battles going into August. Dare I say that could be best-case scenario for this football team. I might just think that's how you start to acquire some depth. Yeah. Uh, Look, I don't want to go into late August, though, saying, oh, God, who's our corners going to be? You know, there's like a different way to say it. Like, 
who's our corners going to be? Because we got three or four guys that can play over there. Not late August thinking, oh, God, who are we going to throw out there? I, I, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable with any of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm – sometimes I feel like position battles are really good. Other times I feel like I, I'd rather have a guy know he's the starter, have that confidence, and work on really what needs to be worked on instead of having adding, – adding the constant anxiety over a position battle and worrying about if you're outdoing the other guy, adding that anxiety into the mix. I think and everyone's different. A lot of times I think you can develop way more as a player once you're an established starter than if you're yeah. if you're constantly like grinding and like there's there's so much mental focus that goes into a position battle and I I don't know if it's better to have a lot of that turned inward but I don't know. And I'll hear that argument for offensive line. Um, I, I think that there's a, you know, a scenario at corner or you know, backer where I think it's okay to have some position battles, but I'd like some continuity with this offensive line going into the year for sure with the starting five because we've definitely seen years here recently where it's been game four, game five, and they've had like a different starting lineup every single game. I'd like for this group to feel, you know, it to gel pretty well by the time they go the time they go to Lincoln. Right. Well, the other part of a position battle is, and I don't know how many, is it 30 practices that they get? I don't know how many 25, practices. right? Is it 25? Yeah, I think it's 25. So think about if you've got 25 practices, and let's say you've got 80 snaps in a practice, Okay. Typically, you would break that down to where your starter would get 40 of those 80, your second team would get maybe 30, and your third team would get maybe 10 snaps out of the 80. But if you've got a position battle going on, whoever ends up winning the job is going to be behind. Like Even if you're behind – like you're taking 10 less reps of practice because you're in the middle of a position battle, over 25, over 25 uh, practices, that's 250 snaps. 250 snaps is like – that's over four games worth of practice snaps that you've missed out on because you're in a position battle. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So I think you've got to be really smart as a coach to – to know when when you're pushing a guy to try and give him motivation to grab a hold of something, or are you legitimately split between a couple of guys as to who the starter's going to be? Uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line. Interact with the show, 405-651-3439. Pessimists will say competition means you don't have anyone good enough to start. Optimists will say it means you have too many that are good enough to start. I think it's a good thing since a lot of these guys got a new lease on life after being buried on the depth charts, and the transfers haven't much had, had much time to show their stuff. Well, I don't think there's any doubt, and I, I agree with the texter that anytime you have a transitional period, 
you have to you have to somewhat wipe the slate clean and start over and let everyone re-earn those spots, which they're always up for grabs. Don't get me wrong. Like, every position on a football team is always up for grabs. Now, usually your starters, it's it's clear who the starters are, and once they grab those spots, they don't relinquish them. And, you know, ultimately that's what you want. But, yes, whenever you've got a new defense, a new offense, a new group of coaches – uh, you've got to you got to reestablish everything and 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 build that that trust back up with new coaches. Absolutely, I'd rather have to choose between the ranch or Red Rock as opposed to being stuck with Chili's. So no respect given whatsoever to the skillet queso. I don't know. You know, there's a time and a place for the ranch and for Red Rock, but there's a time and a place for Chili's. <laughs> please react to that text line i would like to know when you all think is the time and the place for chili's yeah when you're in college and broke but i i hear you you're I, telling me i have had my days at chili's for sure would you rather go would you rather go to red rock to watch a football game or would you rather go to chili's grab an old-timer burger an order of wings, and a frozen mug. Do I have to choose between those two places for a game? I, I feel like my got, options are a little bit more open than that normally. You can throw the ranch in there, too. Okay. Because those were the three we were presented with. I might actually choose the ranch for a football game. <laughs> Just saying. Well, yeah, whenever uh, you're throwing around money like you are these days, diamond yeah. necklaces, I mean, geez. Well, I, I – Brand new deck on the back of the house. Diamond. Small diamonds. There is no plural in diamonds here, Teddy. (laughs) Just one singular small one. You got to glance really hard to see that extremely small diamond in it. Is that thing really clean or is that a diamond? It it, it could be fake for all I know. Uh, I fully support fake diamonds. 100% behind it. Now we got everyone sounding off on Chili's. Half yep. and half. Chili's is trash or Chili's is awesome. There's really no in-between. Well, here's the thing. It's always trash, but sometimes that trash is awesome. It's just like anything else, man. You know? You may not like McDonald's, but there are certain times, and you know when I'm talking about, when McDonald's hits home like no other, okay? Yeah. So Teddy is referencing something he hasn't done in over five years, which is uh, hang out till after 1 o'clock in the morning after consuming about 10 beers. That's right. That's what he's referencing here. Hey. At least no one got that. I, I asked him about some of the freshmen. Who do you expect on the roster this year, offense, defense, whatever, true freshmen that – by the end of the season, we're saying, wow, this dude is legit. I, uh, game in, game out contributor. I Well, I say that there's no – there's definitely room at wide receiver for a freshman to, to come oh, in yeah. and make an impact. There is. So, everyone thinks that I'm just automatically going to say, Javante Barnes or even Jaden Gibson. Let's go, let's go with some Nick Anderson here. Let's go. Wow. Yeah. Look at you. Yep, you like it? 
reading the tea leaves of everyone talking about the Anderson kid. Yeah, or we mentioned it five months ago on this very radio program. Yeah. But, no. Well, I think that's a good pick. Uh, why? Because I saw his older brother jump out of a pool and land on the uh, <laughs> the side, all right, in a Instagram video. So that's as good of a reason as any to honestly, with the takes that I see and I hear, that is maybe the best take as to why a freshman player is going to be really good this year. His brother jumped out of a pool one time, and it was yeah. on video. When. Are the text messages going to come in about Nick Anderson and people worried if, uh, since he's got the pedigree? If well, he's is he going to get injured? hurt like his brother on a kickoff? <laughs> we got to think about it. Brent can't put him on kickoff coverage. <laughs> no, hey, sir, I, I think that this text was serious, though our text line's got a really good sense of humor. But it was 25 minutes into the interview with, uh, <laughs> with, with Brent Venables last hour. And he mentioned special teams. And someone said, 25 minutes until he mentioned special teams. Should we be worried about that, guys? Oh, that's great. I, I think I, I couldn't tell if that was – I'm going to say that it was a real concern. Uh, At least I hope it was. That's high level. High level. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think, uh, I think whenever you talk about the main thing on your football team – if you had to put your finger on one and it's impossible to do one, so you pick two, it's physicality and discipline. I think you carry that directly over to special teams. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, please, I'm tired of giving up. Like when the game seemingly is in the bag, like it, it feels like OU will score a touchdown in the fourth quarter to put themselves up by, you know, 14 or something. All right. All right, okay, that, that was the touchdown that put it away, and then the opposing team gets a kickoff return for a touchdown. Just no more of that crap, please. I feel like it happened at Kansas State last year. I feel like it happened at TCU a couple of years ago. So if that can just stop, that'd be a great place to start with better special teams, please. Well, those things, those things happen. We have had a uh, – we have had way too many of them happen to us in recent years, though. Uh, way too many. I, you can't just say that the, all of those things are going to be eliminated. I would expect less of them because it's not what you coach. It's what you emphasize. And I think special teams is going to be uh, a, an emphasis with this football team. But I, every, you, sometimes those moments have to happen in a game to really learn – the lesson and have the uh, the coach really hammer it home, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. 2000 K-State when Teddy got that pump blocked and almost cost OU the national championship. So, I'm glad a lesson was learned that day. I Yeah. I got blamed for that pump block, rightfully so. Two years later, I got blamed for a pump block against Alabama at home when I was standing on the sideline, <laughs> you needed a, you needed a breather. I I uh, if if the transfer portal would have been a thing, your freshman season, I would have. I feel like the temptation would have been pretty strong after the Kansas State game. I mean, just that two day sequence, your first true road game, and a teammate knocks over the tray and you spill what was it like orange juice or milk? Orange juice, yeah. orange juice all over your shirt. And then that Thanks, happens Tanner the next Reynolds. day. 
how did you have any confidence whatsoever after that weekend? Jeez. Uh, I didn't. Thanks for bringing it up. Yeah. You hinted at it, so I thought yeah. I'd just, you know, slam it home there. I did not. Oh, man. I, I've i never seen the TV copy of that game, but I know they've gotten way better at television broadcasts. Maybe you could say better. Maybe you could say worse, but I would have – I would have been the guy that they would zoom in on the sideline that is standing there with his helmet on, <laughs> you know, whenever he's doing everything he can to hide from the entire world. And there's ESPN zoomed in on him when he's trying to stand three rows deep of people on T- the sideline. Teddy would have the surrender Cobra with his helmet on on the sidelines. That's what they would have shown. Yeah. I think I, I think I was really close to crying. no one actually blames you for that one are you kidding me oh my Uh, gosh you've been controlling the whole game and that massive momentum swing Woo! thank god they won thank you josh heupel all right uh quick timeout more from the rush coming up hour number two rolls on next There you go. There is defensive coordinator Ted Roof earlier today from OU Media Day. Air Coverage Solutions text line 405-651-3439. Hey, the recruiting update that uh, you really care about, and this is uh, other than OU just soaring up the rankings all the way up to number six, but Bama is the number one overall class right now. Surprise, surprise. But they got a four-star commitment last night from a defensive lineman, Hunter Osborne. Now – Bama clearly had a hat on the table. Texas had a hat on the table. And I've never seen this before or heard this before. But when he was making his announcement, uh, he picked Bama over Texas. And they asked him, you know, the reason why. He said uh, because he wants, he values rings over Lambos. Is the reason why he picked Alabama over Texas and some other schools. Dang. Wow. Got is, that love is that a it. shot directly at uh, Bajon Robinson? I, I, it was there any other collegiate athlete that got a free Lambo this offseason? I do not believe so. Man. Or at least publicly. And now, hang on. This kid was a four-star? Four-star defensive lineman, yes. Hunter Osborne was his name. Is his name. I wonder – I mean, you don't think – I mean, I'm sure he's a good player. But – you don't think Texas is dangling a no 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 I don't um I I mean it wouldn't surprise me but at the same time no I think that he was just used the opportunity to to take a shot at him I I respect I guarantee that Texas uses that just in general for like some of the nil things that you can of course they do look at our guy look at our starting running back he got a Lambo this off season sure they do. Huh. So, Bama went from – well, it's not a shock that they ended up at number one, but – or are at number one now. But that – it really came together quickly for them. 
Yeah, they got three five-stars last week. They flipped a four-star tight end yesterday. They got a four-star defensive line yesterday. That's why you don't freak out about recruiting in May and even the month of June. Especially when you're talking about, like, of course OU is going to get guys. Yes, I I am even surprised at how quickly this has all come together, but of course this was going to happen. Right. Man, I'm looking at their the players they've got. They've got four five-star kids right now, or at least composite five-star. Um, two Alabama kids, a Georgia kid, and a Florida kid. I mean, you say what you want about Alabama, but like they have a very, very tight recruiting radius. Uh, just looking at their class, it it is majority Alabama, Georgia, um, just a, a handful of Florida kids. But, I mean, there's a ton of Alabama kids there in, a, in several Georgia. The, there's a couple of outliers, like the Cole Adams kid from Oklahoma. And, oh, God. Uh, Did you really bring that up? I got to deal with that now over here on the text line? Thanks a lot. I'm but just yes. saying that there's, there's only a handful of, of places where they go outside of their immediate area, which is ultimately what you want to do. I mean, that's... That's yeah, I mean, they're, they're in the most f- uh, fertile recruiting area in the country, so that makes it a little bit easier. Oh, but. But there's th- yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I'm not – the whole point is, like, they don't even ha- – they don't have to go that far. There's so many five-star – like, Alabama is like, – population-wise, it, it, it's probably not that much bigger than Oklahoma, if any. Yeah, Birmingham's got to be the biggest city, right? And I don't, I don't know how large probably is uh, what did OKC got in the top. What it was it the top thirty recently? What, yeah, yeah. I, OKC may be bigger than Birmingham is, but yeah, yeah. I, it's probably pretty comparable. The, really, it seems like the only position where they'll go nationwide um, is quarterback. What Bryce Young is from California, and then uh, Tua's from Hawaii. Yeah. So they'll go anywhere to get a quarterback, but the quarterback in in this class is they got Eli two. Holstein from uh, Louisiana. And they have two in that class, two top one hundred guys. Oh yeah, they they do, and the other one's from Georgia. Huh. Wow. Yeah, they. Um, it's interesting. They have their quality of recruit, according to the ratings, is. Very, very high. Don't have a high number of guys, but they're all four and five stars except for two guys. Yeah. And you know they're going to get developed there. That's the thing. Yep. Bama can be uh, very selective on who they take. And I, I, I don't – I mean, obviously, Bama doesn't need to star chase, but I'm sure that there's some four and five star guys that they say, eh, we're, we're good. We're good on this one. We're not going to chase this type of recruitment. We're all right. Yeah. And, you know, one of the best things Alabama has going for them is the recruits have the mindset of when they go there, and everyone wants to, to start right out of the gate whenever you're in high school, right? I mean, it's just it's, – it's natural. But 
I, once you get there and it's like, oh, my God, yeah, I, yeah, not, not ready. But at Alabama, there seems to be a pretty good – like there's a ton of success stories of guys that just just hang on, wait, develop, your time will come, and you'll go to the NFL when, if you take advantage of that time and that development. Yeah, text line, all I'm saying is we'll have a top ten class without Cole Adams – uh, this says Caleb Williams was showing off his fingernails in front of a Lambo on his IG story. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> when was that? I don't know, but I mean, would you doubt it? That well, that that camp is that something recent or is that is that like the OU on his thing Instagram story summer? that is recent. That goes away after twenty four hours. So oh, it does? that could very well be how he's getting ready for training camp this year. Hanging out in front of a Lambo with his fingernails painted. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the the Cole Adams deal, uh, he is he's a four-star on here, but just barely. He's almost their lowest-rated recruit, which is still why I'm saying that it's it's odd. The whole thing is odd to me. Yeah. Still. Yeah. It is odd. Uh, one more. Texas is a more fertile recruiting ground for high school football athletes than Alabama. Prove me wrong. I, I can't prove you wrong. Texas is a more fertile recruiting ground, which is all the more reason why it's so pathetic that not at least one of those schools, forget both of them, one of those schools can win on a consistent basis. I, it's, it's Yeah, Texas is very fertile recruiting. It is. They haven't done jack squat with it. I, I'm just um, I'm fascinated where that came from. Uh, did yeah. anyone say that Alabama was? No, no. I mean, I I said it's in a very one of the most, if not the most, fertile recruiting area. Uh, but I it compared is. Alabama to Oklahoma be, population wise because they're very similar. Uh, of course, Texas is a more fertile area because it probably has nearly 10 times as many people as Alabama does. Oh, no, it has six times as many people. 30 million people compared to Alabama's 4.9 million people. Of course, there's more football players there. I'm just making the point that having over, uh, you know, under 5 million people people as a population there seems to be a bunch of very highly rated players in that state all right quick time out more from the rush coming up hit some things that caught my eye next It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. We call this segment What Caught Teddy's Eye. Let's get to it. Store number one is. Well, first of all, a quick shout-out to our friends over at RoofTech. Former teammate of mine, Josh Tucker, running the business over there. They do an outstanding job, can handle any of your 
roofing needs. I thought this was interesting. Uh, The Miami Dolphins uh, got stripped of a first-round pick and uh, fined Stephen Ross $1.5 million for tampering with Tom Brady and Sean Payton. Uh, This goes back to, obviously, the retirement there with with Tom Brady and uh, Miami trying to get in on the action. I remember all of those. Uh, those theories getting thrown around about the Dolphins, and everyone's like, Dolphins, what? Well, I guess that comes from uh, having some conversations whenever you're not supposed to be having them. Hmm. But I thought that was interesting. $1.5 million and a first-round pick, plus he was uh, he suspended, whatever that means. Am I crazy for thinking that's harsh whenever we know – a lot of this stuff happens? I mean, yeah, I think it's harsh. Um, let's see. The New England Patriots got less of a punishment with Tom Brady than other teams have had trying to get Tom Brady now. <laughs> Is this right. more of a punishment? I guess Brady got suspended some games in New England, but you get the joke. Four I mean, games come on. For allegedly Man. deflating the footballs. Yeah, well. Deshaun Watson gets six, so that's that's great, isn't it? And old yeah. buddy, he was flooded around yesterday, or I think maybe even this morning, getting autographs from the fans. Oh yeah, uh, that's that's America, and you know it's just it's how we operate. If if it's someone that's on your team, rarely uh, can you sift through the bias to see the situation clearly myself us included yeah all right i got a few more here first off anwar richardson who covers texas for orangebloods.com i guess they had some sort of a media availability with the ut staff today anwar anwar says uh hey coach uh, talking to the defensive coordinator pete kwiatkowski hey coach just wanted to ask a little bit about the pass rush and he was interrupted mid-sentence by the defensive coordinator and he said what pass rush <laughs> Ooh. As a joke or, or I, I no, I think that's a reference to well, we they didn't really have any sort of a pass rush last mm. season, so what pass rush are you really talking about? Trying to nice. make a point of it. Nice. Uh going after his own team uh before camp starts. Gotta love it. Yeah, I do. Um Mexico I didn't realize that this was happening. We did realize that Californians were moving everywhere, most notably Austin, Texas, a place we just talked about. Did you know that Californians and other Americans are flooding Mexico City right now because it's so cheap? (laughs) And as you can imagine, the locals in Mexico City do not approve of all of these Americans moving to the city and driving up the prices everywhere else in town. Wait, 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 wait. Can you say that again? No, you heard me. Californians and other Americans... Uh, it's so expensive in California. Uh-huh. They are flooding to Mexico City, obviously, because it's a lot cheaper. Um, living there, staying there for a while, and the residents of Mexico City are not happy about it because it's. Um, they fear that it will gentrify the area. The, the, uh, Mexico does not like the Americans moving in to Mexico. Well, yeah, they're, they are going to drive the price up. But I got to tell you, I'm sorry. And there's some really nice places in Mexico. 
Mexico City is not typically looked at as one of them, and I'm sure it's definitely got some better areas than other. But, man, I don't know. I don't think you could convince me to move to Mexico City. I don't care how cheap it was. Uh, Garrett Nelson, who plays for Nebraska, was asked recently to sum up the close losses from last season in case you weren't paying attention. Nebraska was 3-9 and nine last year. Nine of those were by single digits. So they a lot of cl- lost a, close, a lot of close games recently. He said this. This is how he summed it up, Teddy. Quote, it's like going to a bar every Friday and talking to a chick all night, and all of a sudden her boyfriend walks over and takes her home. In quotes. <laughs> yeah i guess yeah that's what it's like in lincoln right now that's what it's like that's great that's awesome last one i had i'm trying to find what stephen a smith's oh there here it is here it is here it is stephen a smith everyone's favorite espn personality i think he is the highest paid espn personality which says a lot here's his preseason top 10 for college football this year uh alabama's at number one so far, not too awful. Michigan is at number two. Oh, God. Texas is at number three. Clemson is at number four. Oregon at five. Georgia at six. Notre Dame at seven. Ohio State at eight. USC at nine. And Oklahoma back at ten. Right. Well, it just goes to show – how ridiculous this world is and clearly we are living in a simulation nowhere else would anyone who knows so little about anything be paid as much as Stephen A. Smith is to do the job that he does it I'm sure he makes 10 million dollars a year there maybe he makes more than that if Stephen A. Smith just like didn't retire or didn't get fired like if he just stopped showing up i just quit going nobody would even notice oh, the ratings mining the creates. ratings at espn would not change one iota no and they paid the guy you know who knows seven figures yeah you got no they definitely pay him that much um you got to love ESPN basically saying, well, you know, we employ, we employ quite a bit of ESPN personalities, but it's the offseason. So let's let Stephen A. make out a top ten, who probably never watches college football, and let's let Mad Dog Russo come up with the top five programs in college football history when he, I know, never watches college football and put Bama back at number three because they weren't so good in the 1920s. So, yeah, it's a great job, ESPN. Way to utilize your talent in the best way. Oh, yeah. They're the leader in sports. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, hey, that's ESPN. Let them continue to flush money down the drain for no reason. It doesn't matter. Everyone signs up for ESPN and hands over the money anyways. Doesn't matter. It clearly doesn't matter who they have as their personalities. All right, quick timeout. More from The Rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number two next.
Citra Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you hour number two of the rush as we quickly go to the Air Comfort Solutions text line before we hit the top of the hour. Patrick said, is Baker Mayfield the last multi-year starting quarterback at OU? Well, technically, Spencer Rattler started, uh, he didn't start the entire year, but he started games in two years, so it would it would be him. Dang. That is interesting, though. You know, I mean, if you want to talk about starting the entire year, and I, I mean, Baker got suspended the West Virginia game in 2017, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, I, I think the in the um, what they're talking about though is like we haven't had a a guy that's tenured at quarterback since Baker. Yeah, and I. That's not – it's not always a bad thing obvious for obvious reasons. I mean, Kyler was fine for one year. I mean, you have him one year, that's – you know, you're happy with that. But there definitely is something to a group of guys playing together for more than just one year. And an offensive coordinator being able to play to the strengths of a player – and design around that guy for more than just one year. Hey, well, hey, I mean, we're hoping Dylan Gabriel's a multi-year starter because if he is, then 2023, if this team develops this year like we think it might, 2023 could be the year if he's coming back at QB. Yeah. Yeah. Does he – we've talked about this before, but what is his actual designation? Well, uh, what do you, in terms of how many years he can play, we got to hit the top of the hour. We'll hit that All next. Right. Yeah, we'll hit it on the other side. Quick break. Final hour of the rush is next. <laughs> 